So we're continuing on this morning. Last week we um, kind of began with that challenge of who our one is, and we have begun a 30-day prayer journey, and I want to encourage each of you to um, take that very seriously and to really pour your heart into praying for that one uh, who doesn't have a personal relationship with God, somebody that we can share the good news with, and we uh, talked last week, and by the way, if you weren't here, we still have those prayer guides available. It's not too late to jump in, so uh, feel free to just kind of jump in where you are and start, but uh, we talked about God's heart for the one. We looked at the parable in Luke 15 where the shepherd leaves the 99 and goes after the one that has gone astray, and, and that should be our heart too. And so today I want us to kind of, uh, first of all, be encouraged by that, but also just ask the question, what does it look like for us to go and search? Practically speaking, how do we go about sharing that good news with that one or maybe more than one? And here's the encouraging thing is that when you share with one, it often turns into much more than just one. To give you a, my, my favorite example of this is a Sunday school teacher from back in the 1800s. His name was Edward Kimball. And he had a young man named Dwight in his class. He was 17 years old. He came to church only because his parents forced him to, which maybe some of you can relate to that. He didn't want to be there. He was in his class. And uh, Kimball had a heart for this young man. And he worked in a local shoe store. He went to visit him. And he told him, he said, I'm concerned about you. Can we talk? And so they went down into the basement of the shoe store. And uh, Kimball led Dwight to, to faith in Christ. And Dwight, who we know better uh, by his initials, and that is D.L. Moody, became one of the greatest preachers of his day. Um, through his preaching, uh, D.L. Moody began to, to preach and share the gospel. There was a guy by the name of J. Wilburn Chapman who was converted at one of his evangelistic meetings. He went on to, became an, to become an evangelist and to preach. There was a guy by the name of Billy Sunday who was converted at one of his meetings. He went on to become an evangelist. Someone by the name of Mordecai Ham was converted at a Billy Sunday meeting. He went on to share the gospel and become an evangelist. And there was a young man at one of his meetings who came to Christ, and his name was Billy Graham. You look back at literally millions of people who have heard the gospel through these preachers and who have come to faith in Christ as a result of their ministry. And it all goes back to one Sunday school teacher who had a, lost, had a heart for one lost young man. And I look at that and I think, man, what could God do through us sharing with just one person? And so today we're going to continue on with that. And, and, and we're going to look at Jesus' heart for the one. We talked about it in broad terms last time. Jesus certainly came to be the Savior of all the world. But we're going to see today that Jesus also has a heart for just going after that one person. And, and hopefully this will give us some inspiration to do the same. And I do want to say at the outset, the goal of today's message is not to give you more information. The goal of today's message is to motivate us to action. If we can learn all this stuff, but if we don't do something with it, if we're not actually going and sharing, then we're really wasting our time. I've referenced the woman at the well a few times, and I want to dive a little bit further into her story today and talk a little bit about how Jesus interacted with her. And, uh, and then just in a little bit, I'm going to have Stephen come up and share with us a little bit. We're going to dialogue some about what does this look like in day-to-day -day life for us. Let's start in John 4, beginning in verse 4. Now he had to go through Samaria. 
So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. (laughs) When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. This, to me, is a beautiful picture of exactly what we said, that you know, the shepherd leaving the 99, going after the one. This is Jesus honing in on one person and just having this, this interaction, sharing the good news with her. And as I look at this, there are a couple of things I think we can learn from it. And, and the first one is simply this. Uh, what I see in Jesus here is that we don't let obstacles stop us from sharing the good news. Don't let obstacles stop you. Because there were plenty of obstacles that could have kept Jesus from sharing. Starting with the fact that she was a Samaritan. And he was a Jewish man. And I'm sure you know enough about your, your Bible history to know that Jews and Samaritans did not get along at all. In fact, the tensions could not have been greater between the two. And on top of that, a, a, a man in particular wouldn't speak to a woman like this. So there are all kinds of, of obstacles. And yet in verse 4, it says... Now, he had to go through Samaria. Why? Why does it say he had to go through Samaria? Not because that was the only route. It was the shortest route, by the way. If you look at a map from where Jesus was going to where, you know, his, his destination from where he started, the direct line was right through Samaria. But every Jew would go around Samaria to get there. So he didn't have to go through in that sense. What it means is that Jesus had to go through Samaria because that was his mission. That was his purpose. He wanted to share the good news with the Samaritans. And this was kind of the beginning of that. By the way, in Acts 1.8, where it talks about the Holy Spirit coming, he says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria to the ends of the earth. So this was kind of part of the plan from the beginning. But Jesus starts it right here by going into Samaria himself and sharing with this one woman. And so he, he kind of overcomes this background. I'm sure she had a very hard shell. You know, based on her background and all of this that he had to break through. And I just want to encourage you with that. It could be that for some of you, maybe you're one or maybe some others that God will bring into your path. They, they might have a bit of a hard shell. They might be a bit difficult to share the good news with. But don't let that obstacle stop you from doing it. Maybe for some, it, it really is a matter of, you know, I've got so much in my past. I don't think God wants anything to do with me. I don't want anything to do with God. Or it could be for some that it's, you know, life is good. They're successful and they don't think they need God. But don't let that, you know, don't let that, whatever that obstacle is, keep you from sharing the good news. And then on top of that, verse 6 gives us another obstacle that Jesus had because it says, 
that Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. So it's the heat of the day. He's exhausted. He's tired. And when we are tired, isn't it easy to let things that seem non-essential slip? You know, that's why, uh, you know, maybe the dishes start piling up in the sink or the laundry doesn't get done or you skip your workout at the gym that day because you're just exhausted. You know, we've all been there, right? It's like, I'm tired. I don't want to deal with this right now. And if something seems non-essential and we're exhausted, we tend to not do it. Unfortunately, for many of us, sharing the gospel seems kind of non-essential. And so if we're tired or there's something that gets in the way, or frankly, sometimes we're just more comfortable not doing it, then, then we don't. But don't let that obstacle uh, get in the way either. Sometimes I think one of the obstacles is we're just not sure how to go about it, right? We're not sure what to say. We're not sure um, if we're going to get it right, Sometimes we worry about, you know, am I going to say the wrong thing and it's going to do more harm than good? Um, or, you know, there, there are all kinds of obstacles, all kinds of things that, that we can come up with. And sometimes, frankly, the issue is that we just don't care enough. We're just selfish and we're more concerned about our own comfort than we are about taking a risk of sharing with somebody. But sometimes the motivation may be, you know, more of a, well, I don't want to turn someone away or that kind of thing. So there are all kinds of these obstacles that we can come up with. Um, maybe we just don't know what to say. And if that's the case, I want to encourage you with this. And we're going to share some, some ideas and more practical things here in a minute. But this woman, when she does come to faith in Christ... Uh, she goes back to Samaria. We won't read the, the, toward the end of the chapter. But there are a lot of people in her hometown that end up coming to faith. And it's because of her story. It's because she went back and she said, this man told me everything I ever did. And, and she was telling her story about how Christ had transformed her life. And I just want to encourage you, start there. You have a story to tell. If you have a relationship with Christ, you do have a story. Now, some of you, I, I think I know what you're thinking. Some of you are thinking, yeah, I don't have a story like that. I grew up in, you know, from the day I was born. I've been in church, you know, constantly, and all I've known is God my entire life. Maybe you're, you're somewhat like, you know, in 2 Timothy 3.15, it talks about how Timothy, from infancy, it says, he knew the Holy Scriptures. His mom and his grandmother, he had a godly mom and grandmother who trained him and poured into him from the time he was a baby. And so he grew up with this his entire life. See, sometimes we look at somebody's story and we think, well, this is someone that just had this wild testimony, kind of a woman at the well type of a story where God transformed their life. And if that's your story, that's fantastic. Share that story. Because God can work through that. But I also want to encourage you that even if that's not your story, maybe you grew up in church your whole life, well, bottom line is still that even if you've been in church your whole life, the fact is we are still sinful people, right? We are, we, we are still in rebellion against God. And, and our story is that God brought us from spiritual death to spiritual life. Maybe for some that was a dramatic kind of a thing. You know, I was totally off here and just doing all this wild stuff and God saved me. And others, the story is, well, I grew up in a great household and, and, and maybe I was following a fairly moral path, but I realized that I was sinful and that I was dead spiritually. Jesus gave me life. You have a story, okay? Share that story. That's, that's a great place to begin is just sharing your personal story on how to do that or, or, or how Christ uh, has changed your life. And then the second thing that I see in this passage, and then we'll, we'll jump into kind of more practical, how do you do this, is that we simply initiate conversations. That's what Jesus does here. How often do we sit back 
waiting for someone to come to us. I think I said last week, talking about that lost sheep. You know, generally, sheep don't go around asking for directions on how to get back to the shepherd. We need to initiate. We need to go after and have those conversations and start those conversations. Jesus does that in spite of all these obstacles, in spite of the fact that Jews and Samaritans hated one another and he was a man, she was a woman, all these different things. But he started that conversation. And did you notice how he did it? He did it by putting himself in a place of need before her. Will you give me a drink? Now, I, I think part of the, what was going on here is Jesus was thirsty. <laughs> I mean, I think there's that element to it. I think he truly needed water. But it was deeper than that. He also knew that by asking her, he's, he's humbling himself, putting himself in a place of need. See, sometimes I think we have a mindset when it comes to sharing the gospel that because I have something of truth that I want to share with somebody else that can help someone else, it's almost like I've got to kind of talk down to you, right? And, and, and to put ourselves in a place of need or humility, maybe even kind of below someone else, that's, that says a lot. And it can open some doors. And I think it probably made things easier for Jesus to have this conversation with her because he was humble enough to say, would you give me a drink? And then that starts the whole, well, if you knew who I was, I would, you would ask for, for a drink and I'd give you living water. And they have this great conversation to, that leads to verse 15 where it says, the woman said to him, sir, give me this water so I won't be thirsty. Keep coming to, the, uh, to draw water. And then Jesus says to her, go and call your husband. She says, I don't have a husband. And Jesus says, no, you don't. You've had five. And the man you live with now is not your husband. And I think he does this for a couple of reasons. One, he wants her to see that he is the Messiah. This is some divine intervention. There's no way he could have known this about her, right? Unless God was involved in this. So that's part of it. But part of it is he's also addressing her sinfulness here. And he's letting her know, I know what you've done. I know your sinful past. And yet I still want to extend grace to you. And both of those are key in conversations. Dealing with sin honestly and the fact that we are sinful and we need to repent. We need to turn to God. Uh, but then also there's grace in that. So Stephen, if you would come join me up on stage for a minute. I, I wanted to get his a uh, little bit of just kind of conversation uh, with him, and um, I, I think that'll that'll help us a little bit because you know you thank you first of all for for coming and joining sure. us here. Um, it seems to me that you have more stories of just gospel conversations that happen in everyday life than just about anybody I know, and that's not by accident. You know I know that that's intentional, and so I want to I want to just talk a little bit about what that looks like for you. How practically speaking. How do you get into a conversation? How does that get started? What does that look like? And, and how can we kind of equip our church to do that more? Yeah, I think the, the biggest thing for me going into it is that, that I've learned that there's no cookie cutter. There's no yeah. set instruction of like, here's how it will work every single time. Um, and just knowing that going into it is, is really um, important. And for me in particular, that I, you, you look at the moments that you have, and you, know, you and I have talked about this before, of like looking at my, my calendar, I know yeah. the things that I have coming up in a week, I know who I'm going to be around, and I intentionally start praying about those interactions way before. And so a lot of times it's not an accident, I know I'm going to have a gospel conversation with somebody because I have the, uh, a handyman coming to the house, right. or I have a meeting 
uh, a, with, with somebody in the city or in the right. baseball organization or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, and so I pray about those things, and, yeah. and so I'm intentional about it. But there's also those moments where um, you have a quick moment with yeah. a waiter or waitress, and, and, um, but you know you're going to have those moments. So you kind of, I think, preparing your heart is the biggest thing. Yeah, I think um, that's huge, and, and that's, it's so easy to miss that, right? Yeah. Just to kind of get going and schedule and not be intentional. That's one of the reasons I love, by the way, this, this 30 days of prayer, mm-hmm. because it just is very, keeps us focused, you know, on praying about those things. So, so you pray about it. Uh, what might that look like yeah. when, when you start to have that conversation? With yeah, so when, when I start having the conversations with somebody, majority of the time, uh, a very simple question gets me into a very deep spiritual conversation, yeah. and it's just asking how I can pray for them. Um, whether it's a waiter or a waitress, I'm about to pray for my meal. Is there right. anything that I can pray for you about? And you find out quickly, like you don't want to interrupt their job or anything. Right. But sometimes they'll reveal something yeah, very deep about themselves that will allow you to kind of dive in. And sometimes it's like, no, I'm good. And so it's like, well, we'll just pray for you anyway. And, that, and that's fine. So I think reading the relationship is fine. Uh, re- reading how things are going is, is extremely important. But there's also opportunities that I've had uh, with with. Um, people that I have a surface level relationship with, and I have a deep desire to really know them better. Like I want to to know them. I want to know, let them know that I love them and care for them. And um, there's one particular uh, person that I shared with, and and his immediate response was, "Just so you know, I was like, I would never step foot in your church." And like that was immediate kind right. of like, if I know what you're doing, you're trying to get me to come to church. I don't want anything to do with it. And through time, what ended up happening was he realized that I really just just cared for him. I really right. loved him. And over the summer, where he told me he would never walk through, I watched him walk through these doors. Right. And um, to see how the Lord, through time, somebody that I have a relationship sure. with, um, breaks down walls yeah. as well. Um, but I think starting that conversation is just as simple as starting it, but you want people to know how much you care for them. Especially yeah. going into, like if you have, on your, who's your one card? If you have uh, a, a family member that you're going to spend Thanksgiving or Christmas right. with, I know yeah. a biggest fear is like, you don't yeah. want to be, the creepy weird uncle at Thanksgiving. <laughs> like, I know that that's a, a concern. Yes. Um, yes. And you don't have to have that conversation publicly in front of all 30 relatives. Uh, but when you look for a moment and just be like, hey, I've, you've really been on my heart. And I, you know, I love you because I'm your cousin. I'm your uncle. I'm right. your brother, whatever it is. Right. Um, but establishing an opportunity is like, I love you, but yeah. here's why I love you. Right. And, and it's because of Christ. Yeah, I, I love that. And I, you know, I, I think it's helpful too, or important, just to be very transparent in everything. And one of those, I mean, I look at this passage, there's not a whole lot of detail. We're actually going to watch a video clip in a minute, which I love that it kind of gives you um, a visual of the compassion and love of Jesus. It, you, you know, it's hard to see that coming through just in words. But there's no doubt in my mind that this woman knew that Jesus cared about her yeah. as an individual. And I think that's huge to, to say that. And then even on top of that, it, it can be a little awkward sometimes, mm-hmm. right? Depending Absolutely. on the, the, the situation. Sometimes I think it's helpful just to put the awkwardness right out on the table. Yeah. You know, and just say, like, this may sound kind of weird, but you've really been on my heart, and I've been thinking about this, and, and my relationship with Christ is important to me. Can I share a little bit about that with you or whatever? But just, you know, I think sometimes just putting it out there can, can be helpful too. Yeah, and just an, an opportunity I had with somebody that, you know, it was a, a salesperson, yeah. and, and just having that conversation. And yeah. in my gut, was like, I don't want to bring this right. up. He's doing his own thing. And So how did you? Well, and my, in, internally, my love for him overcame my fear of looking ridiculous. Yeah. Um, and it was just quick internal prayer. 
And I just asked him how I could pray for him. And it yeah. started a conversa conversation. Uh, we have an amazing tool. We have a lot of resources. If you weren't here last yeah. week, uh, the 30-day prayer booklets are out there on the resource table outside the Mission Center out to your left. Um, the Hoosier One booklet's there. The cards are there. Um, but there's also other resources. One of the tools that we use is the three circles. And so in that yeah. particular opportunity, I got to draw um, just the three circles, which is the plan of salvation, and find out exactly where he was. And he had no concept of who God was or anything. And it, it led to not only him coming to Christ, but it led to discipleship opportunity that's on now ongoing as well. And um, using everything at your disposal is, yeah. is so key. And so um, for me, what gives confidence is knowing um, who my God is and that, again, I pray constantly that um, I, my love for them overcomes the fear that I have of anything that's going to stop me from sharing. Yeah, that's um, really good. And again, every opportunity is different. There's opportunities that I have. Um, there's tracks on that table that are quick ones that you can just leave on a table. Yeah. Um, you can have a quick conversation. Some of them point out your brokenness, which, as you mentioned right. with the woman at the well, yep. um, sometimes you have to, to point out Absolutely. that I was broken, you're broken, and I want you to know who Christ is. And sometimes it's, there's tracks there that are just sharing the good news of who Jesus is and what he's done for them. Yeah. Um, there, there's some resources out there that help you walk through the three circles. That you can talk about your faith and um, give somebody a visual representation of it. So we have a lot of those things out there. Um, but looking for those opportunities, sometimes it's as simple as leaving a, a track on a table. Yeah. Sometimes it's as challenging as having to weed through people's hurt that they've experienced from other Christians as well. Yeah. And you're going to encounter absolutely everything. And so it's important that you pray that your love for them overcomes whatever your fears are. That's good. So you've gone through, let's just kind of imagine, kind of last question for you, but you've gone through this and sharing the gospel. Then what? How do you, do you seek then to give them an opportunity to, to receive Christ right then? And what does that look like so that you are you know, giving that chance, and, and, but at the same time respecting a person's Absolutely. freedom and all that. What, how does I just that ask them, like, what's stopping them right now from putting their faith in Jesus Christ? That's good. Um, and you'll hear every answer, and then sometimes you'll hear nothing. Right. And you have an opportunity to pray with them and talk through um, some things. But asking that question, and what you're going to hear is, I need to talk to my family. I just don't know yet. There, there are earthly circumstances that are still binding there. Um, and, and that's okay. And the other big thing is, like you've talked about last week, we don't save anybody. Yeah. We're also not the Holy Spirit, so we don't convict. We right. are planting a seed um, that we not, might not ever be the one to see what comes on the other end of that. And just even, there's people in this room, there's people that's going to be here on Sunday morning that they'll tell their testimonies like, man, I just kept hearing about who Jesus was. I kept hearing it, kept hearing it. And then one day, somebody shared with me and it just clicked and I became a believer. And so you might be just planting a quick seed, and that is okay. Yeah, absolutely. First Corinthians talks about, you know, one plants, one sows, you know, one mm -hmm. waters, but God makes it grow, and just that, that good reminder. So, yeah, mm -hmm. I, I appreciate that. And, uh, you know, we, we want to just be a resource to you as well, and just know that when it comes to figuring out what does this look like and, and you know, here obstacles I have or I just need someone to pray with me or whatever, uh, we want to come alongside our church family and, and just be there uh, to, to support you in that and to help encourage each other and to help hold each other accountable in this. And then really how I want to, to end today is with a visual. I want to show you a clip from The Chosen that is a really powerful scene 
of Jesus and the woman at the well. Now, obviously, this is, you know, somebody kind of interpreting and, and some things of how it might happen. We don't know if every detail is exactly as we see it, but what we do know is that this encounter that Jesus had with this woman, this really happened. You know, I mean, sometimes we need to see that and just like, okay, let me get a visual. This is real life stuff of, of what took place there. So let's take a look. You give me a drink. Did you hear me? That's bad, huh? What? You, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a Samaritan, and a woman. I'm sorry. I should have said please. You know, it's not safe for you to be alone out here. Nor you. Why haven't you come with others? Why so late in the day? Don't women come to the wells in the, the cool of the morning? Yeah, well, none of them will be seen with me, so I have to come out now in the heat, as you have so kindly reminded me. Why won't they be seen with you? Long story. I, I'd still like a drink of water if, if you can spare it. Amazing what a parched throat will do. Aren't I unclean to you? Won't you be defiled by this vessel? Maybe some of my people say that about your women, but I don't. Yeah? And what do you say? I say if you knew who I am, you'd be asking me for a drink. Really? And I would give you living water. Would, except that you have nothing to draw water with, and this is a deep well. Besides, what do you need from me if you have your own supply of living water? Long story. But Jewish water is better than Samaritan water. Hmm? That's not what I said. Are you a better man than our ancestor Jacob, who dug this well? Your water is better than his? I know Jacob. And everyone who drinks this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. Wouldn't that be nice? The water I give will become in a person a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Really? Yes, really. Prove it. First, go and call your husband and come back. I will show you both. I don't have a husband. You are right. You've had five husbands. And the man you're living with now is not your husband. <laughs> oh, I see. You're a prophet. You're here to preach at me. No. Usually the one good thing about coming here alone is I can escape being condemned. I'm not here to condemn you. I've made mistakes. Too many. But it's men like you who have made it impossible for me to do anything about it. How? Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain. But you Jews insist Jerusalem is the only place for true worship. They say that because the temple is there. Yeah, exactly where we're not allowed. I'm here to break those barriers. And the time is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. So, where am I supposed to go when I need God? 
I've never received anything from God, but I couldn't thank him, even if I did. Anywhere. God is spirit. And the time is coming and is now here. That it won't matter where you worship, but only that you do it in spirit and truth. Heart and mind, that, that is the kind of worshiper he's looking for. It won't matter where you're from or what you've done. Do you believe what I'm telling you? Until the Messiah comes and explains everything and sorts this mess out, including me, I don't trust in anyone. You're wrong when you say that you've never received anything from God. This Messiah you speak of, I am he. The first one was named Ramin. You were a woman of purity who was excited to be married. But he wasn't a good man. He hurt you. And it made you question marriage and even the practice of your faith. Stop it. The second was Farzad. On your wedding night, his skin smelled like oranges. And to this day, every time you pass by the oranges in the market, you feel guilty for leaving him because he was the only truly godly man you've been with. But you felt unworthy. Why are you doing this? I have not revealed myself to the public as the Messiah. You are the first. It would be good if you believed me. You picked the wrong person. I came to Samaria just to meet you. <laughs> Do you think it's an accident that I'm, I'm here in the middle of the day? I am rejected by others. I know, but not by the Messiah. <sighs> and you know these things, because you are the Christ. I'm going to tell everyone. <laughs> I was counting on it. <laughs> Spirit and truth. Spirit and truth. It won't be all about mountains or temples. Soon, just the heart. <laughs> you promise? I promise. Everything I've done. Oh, he must be the Christ. <laughs> hey, wait! <laughs> your water. You forgot your um. And what a powerful picture, right, of Jesus going after that one person. You know why we, why we go, why we share? 
It's because people need to hear the good news. It's because Jesus is the one who restores. It's because nobody is beyond what God can do for them. So church family, we, we've got to go. We've got to share that good news. We've got to share that message that Jesus has come to rescue sinners. That we are all broken. We're all messed up. But Jesus saves those who are messed up and broken. That's our message. And he communicates that message through us. Pray with me. Lord, today, I pray that you would stir our hearts with compassion. That as Stephen said, our love for those that don't know you would be greater than the fear and the, the discomfort that we feel when we think about sharing the good news. Lord, I pray even now for someone that, that, that's here, someone who's watching online, who feels a lot like that woman rejected by so many and just really broken. Lord, I pray that that person today would come to know the grace and redemption that you bring. Thank you, Lord, for rescuing us. Thank you for loving us, for coming after us. And I just pray that you would help us to do the same. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.